to the Apostle Frederick Kaluluma podcast channel. Apostle Frederick is the senior pastor of the City of the Lord Church, and he has been anointed by God with a message that will take you deeper in your walk with Christ. We have the mission to bring hope to the hopeless, and we seek to build a community of believers founded on faith and walking in love until the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, if you would like to officially join the City of the Lord Church and get access to pastoral care, counsel, and one-on-one sessions with the man of God, fill in the form in the link below the podcast description. Now, here comes today's powerful word. It is your word. So grab your Bibles, pens, and notepads as we join Apostle Frederick from the City of the Lord Church in Lusaka, Zambia. Be blessed. Praise God. So there's a topic I will be talking about and I just want to prepare us for it. Wonderful. So as I was saying, um, it's a topic that I have touched on before and is one of those that I can say we need to meditate on every now and then. And it's one of those topics which, as we're meditating on, you have to think about yourself and not just think of it as your neighbor's sermon. One of the challenges we have sometimes is that every sermon is our neighbor's. <laughs> and it's never really ours. The worst is when you're a child and then there's a sermon the pastor is preaching and your mother thinks it's for you. <laughs> There'll be that look of, and the like. And we all know that look. And um, yeah. But then this one is our sermon. Now you have to understand that salvation gives you an opportunity to change things in your life. And it's an opportunity which you can either take or not take. And left in its raw state, there are certain things about your heart and your mind which if you don't deal with, will cause you to be in a place where it almost appears as if there is no difference between a sinner and a saint. And the challenge is as human beings, we like a lower standard. Are you aware of that? Have you ever entered a class and the lecturer says, in my class, everyone passes, everyone makes it. How do you feel? Yeah, Me, I, I imagine the lecturer comes and says, I don't like failing people. So if it's rough, I'll give a C. People will be excited. And yet if you went to another class and the lecturer said, you really, really have to work hard to pass my class. Last year, only three people passed. Something happens. Because human beings don't like a higher standard. Naturally, they don't like it. You have to force yourself to like it. And so, even when it comes to matters of your salvation, 
It's something that if you're not deliberate about working on with fear and trembling, it will appear as though there is no difference between a sinner and a saint. Can you imagine? There are people who are believers, tongue-speaking, demon-chasing. What else do believers do? <laughs> Sorry? Concert attending. <laughs> and yet, um, they can borrow money and not pay back. And sleep well. Not the part sleep well. <laughs> and then the day you try to get it back, they'll talk about church hurt. Believers just don't understand. And yet they are not being scriptural. They are not thinking with a scriptural brain. Let me tell you what I mean. In the context of a scriptural brain, you have to ask yourself, what did Jesus say about the topic, right? There's somebody who came to me and they, told, and they were complaining because there is money that they had borrowed and they were not honest with the person they borrowed from. And so they were not able to pay back and the person used very harsh words on them perhaps words which are harsher than they would have wanted. And so they also answered back. And so when I had a conversation with them, you know what I told them? I said, no matter how harsh this other person is, scripturally, you're the one who's wrong. Because the Bible says, settle things with your adversary before they drag you to court. Meaning they have every right to do whatever they want. Because scripturally, every time you borrow, you're a slave to the person you've borrowed from. So you're their slave. You can't tell your master what to do with you. And whether to insult you or not. <laughs> but then, how come the heart could accommodate the fact that they were right, even when they were wrong? Because if, you don't, if you're not deliberate about dealing with matters of your heart, you will not be a proper believer. The Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Now, those are not scriptures that people like. <laughs> now, uh, then verse 10 says, I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruits of his doings. Now, one of the promises of salvation is a new heart and a new mind. And this is something that you have to learn to work out. When you study the story of Ananias and Sapphira, they were born again. And yet the Bible says, how has Satan filled your heart that you could lie to God? When you study the story of Simon the sorcerer, again he's told, how has Satan filled your heart? So your heart is a place you must be careful with because your heart can be very deceitful. It can be very, very deceitful. I'll never forget one time, years ago, um, when I had visited a certain country. It should be South Africa or Kenya. So I'm there and there's a prayer line, right? And somebody says, uh, can I talk to you after service? I said, sure. And after service, they asked that they should remain alone with me. I said, that's fine. And they said... First of all, don't judge me, but I need to talk to somebody. I said, feel free. Inside, I was like, I'll judge you. <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> you guys are laughing. <laughs> the Bible says, a spiritual man judges all things. There's a difference between condemning and judging. I don't know why people don't like being judged. One day you're going to face the righteous judge. <laughs> so anyways, and the person says, look, um, so my boyfriend has just gotten his wife pregnant. I'm not happy about that. And this is the third time it's happened in our relationship. It's the third time. He told me he won't do it again. And when I had gone to see somebody sick, I just noticed the bed that I recognized the person. And she was pregnant and she was get delivering for the third time. I looked and I said, can I judge you now? <laughs> and I remember the first thing I told them is this. I said, you see, the challenge with the heart is that what you're feeling inside is very real, but wrong. So you can have a real feeling but a wrong one, and from a wrong source. And we began to work out a few things which we worked out. I don't know if somebody is following me. So now, that is why we have to learn to renew the mind. And remember when I taught this topic that the heart and the mind are used interchangeably sometimes in the scriptures. In general, we're talking about the soul. When your mind is not transformed, it has components that can be described as deceitful. They can create a false narrative. Another thing you should know about your heart and mind is that your heart and mind is very fertile. I'm still just open and ready. Look at 1 Peter 1 verse 13. 1 Peter 1 verse 13. Your heart and mind is very fertile. <laughs> there are certain things that when you see in the scriptures, they get you thinking. 1 Peter 1 verse 13. Okay. 1, 2, 3. Let's read it together. Okay, I'll explain that. Now, if you want to see how um, precious this word loins is in the Bible, look at Hebrews chapter 7. I just want to see, I just want to show you an implication of this word. Hebrews 7 verse 9. Even Levi, who receives tithes, Paid tithes through Abraham, so to speak. Hold on. Verse 10. For he was still in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. Now Levi is how many years from Abraham? Several years. The law of the tithes, the, the, the tithes, which they started giving in Exodus is, is over 400 years, right? After Abraham, because that's even like 400 years after Joseph. And yet, scripturally, it is counted as Levi was in the loins of Abraham 
when Abraham was given his tithe. That shows you that there are certain things you can do that can actually bring a blessing generationally. But nevertheless, the loins are referring to the, reproduct the, the reproductive organs. And then we're being told in First Peter to gird, meaning like, you know, like form a shield, so to say, to gird the loins of your mind. That shows you that your mind has got a very strong reproductive function. It's very fertile. For example, stop thinking about a pink cow. <laughs> Some of you, that cow has even given birth right now. <laughs> it even as a child, you've thought of the husband to the cow and the like. Your mind is very fertile. I learned this when I was very, I learned this when I was younger. You know, what happened was, um, there are those, how many of you remember those Pokemons that used to be found in Simba Crisps? Like if you bought Simba Crisps, you could find like, like a Pokemon thing, right? Now, as much as we would have Simba Crisps every now and then, they are not for having as daily as some of the my rich kids, you know what I mean? <laughs> so what some of us would do is that we'd get bottle tops and then hit them like with a stone until they become flat and imagine that they are Pokemons. <laughs> so I saw people doing that and I decided to try it out. Now, unfortunately, I wasn't so gifted in the area of arts and crafts. So none of them came out round. <laughs> they all came out with different shapes and sizes. And here's the funny thing. Having noticed my creation, do you know what I did? I named them. I named them according to how they looked. There was one bottle top that reminded me of the Egyptian footballer Mido. So I named it Mido. <laughs> I gave them names. Francis, Jackson. Jackson was married to uh, Evelyn. <laughs> the Coca-Cola ones looked like females. <laughs> what was happening? My mind was just being creative. And, uh, and, and I remember I, I, I literally began to like design their lives. Like I would sit, I, I used to play alone a lot. So I would sit, design this, 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 until one time <laughs> my mom like sent the helper to pack them all in a plastic and go throw them somewhere else. And lo and behold, one day I'm walking uh, to go see a friend and I found them. <laughs> I brought them back. <laughs> What I'm trying to say is that the mind is so creative. I'm curious, what has your creative mind taken you to sometimes? Tell your neighbor. Tell them an interesting story of what your mind, where your mind has gone before. Where? <laughs> you guys are not talking. <laughs> if your neighbor is not talking to you, raise your hand. Uh, Rema, I'm not seeing you talking to your neighbor. You can talk to that neighbor. You don't have a neighbor. She's now your neighbor. <laughs> Who here heard a very funny story? Who's heard the funniest story here? Guys, your neighbors are not telling you funny stories. 
Who's read a disturbing story? <laughs> Mahongo, what's the funniest thing you've heard? Okay, you'll play with toys. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. So it says you gird up the loins of your mind. Now, one of the many roles of the soul is to express love. Now, I hope you're hearing me. The reason why the scriptures had to give a description of what love is is because there are so many things that appear like love and even have the emotions like love, but then because of the soulish realm, get contaminated in the process. And because of that contamination, what people have is not what the Bible describes as perfect love. So, Love is interesting because one doesn't need to have God in their lives to have it. But one needs God for it to be perfected. It's a very, very interesting... I don't even know what to call it because it would be very... Um, it would be a very weak view to view love as an emotion. Love is very, very interesting because love has got certain emotions that it calls to itself automatically. I can give you one, uh, one of the things that love will always call. Love calls this thing called passion. Passion is not just uh, passion is not just in a nice way. Passion makes you aggressive, like aggressively zealous towards something. I'm still talking. That's why you find that when a person is in love, even their anger is multiplied. How is it that the person they love the most is the person that they easily get angry at the most? How is it that the, the child that they birthed themselves, themselves, is the same person that they can say, Why? How, how come that can happen? When you look at what's happening in the world, haven't you seen how you'd wonder, this couple that was so in love beat each other up or maybe sometimes in a worse state even killed each other. There are certain things now which have been presented which are perversions of love. 
and you have to be on the lookout for them. I'm not even talking about love which is not perfected. Now I'm talking about the dimension in which love is perverted. There's a place where it just hasn't matured, but there's a place where it's perverted. And you have to be aware of it. Number one. Love that reduces the value of another person. Love that reduces the value of another person. Those who are watching, say something so that I know that you're still here because you need this sermon as much as anybody. So number one, love that reduces the value of another person. Genesis 34 and verse 1. Then we'll keep going. Now Dina, the daughter of Leah, whom she had born to Jacob, went out to see the daughters of the land. And when Shechem, the son of Hamar, the Hivite, prince of the country, saw her, he took her and lay with her and violated her. His soul was strongly attracted to Dina, the daughter of Jacob, and he loved the young woman and spoke kindly to the young woman. So Shechem spoke to his father Hamor saying, get me this young woman as a wife. He had already violated her. He had already violated her. His soul, notice the words, his soul was strongly attracted to her. But he had violated her. And he says, get me this young woman as a wife. And Jacob heard that he had defiled Dinah, his daughter, now his sons were with his livestock in the field. So Jacob held his peace until they came. Verse 6. Then Hamor, the father of Shechem, went out to Jacob to speak with him. Now if you, if you read the rest of the story, uh, it's very interesting. Do you know what they did? They said, fine, you can have as a wife, but first, all your males must be circumcised, like us. Then while they were in the stage of recovering from the pain of circumcision, they went and hammered them. <laughs> and when the brothers were asked why they hammered them, this is what they answered. Look at verse 30. The Old Testament is very interesting. Look at verse 30. Then Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, you have troubled me by making obnoxious by making, you see why you need to study the dictionary if you're going to understand the Bible. No, the pastor at that church uses big words. It's in the Bible. You have troubled me by making me obnoxious. Ask your neighbor, what does obnoxious mean? Huh? <laughs> Not I should see next thing on Zoom. No, mwila obnoxious mulenga. So it says, you have troubled me by making me obnoxious among the inhabitants of the land. 
among the Canaanites and the Perizzites, and since I am a few in number, they will gather themselves together against me and kill me. I shall be destroyed, my household and I. What did they answer? Verse 31. But they said, should he treat our sister like a harlot? The challenge was this. This person felt something towards her. This person, his soul was strongly attracted to her. Rather than going about it the right way, he violated her. And then was trying to make up for it. And that is where you have to be careful because there are situations where you find that um, somebody is sort of giving you two pieces of a coin. On one hand, you're free to, if you want anything, I'll buy it for you. On the other hand, you're not permitted to go in university. That's a violation. Love is patient. Love is patient. Love that cannot exercise patience in various ways has been perverted. It is patient. Someone listen to me. Perhaps you've been told, look, I'm already going to marry you, so we might as well start having sex now. That's not love. Because there's no patience there. Must you be treated like just one of the maidens? Or must you be treated with respect? I was teaching a, we had a bride for the young adults. And where they asked, you know, there were paper questions and, you know, there were so many questions that they asked. So I remember in answering one, I innocently, like, I mean innocently. So I was innocently explaining something. And I remember I told them how I first kissed my wife on our wedding day. They were shocked. They clapped. <laughs> As in they clapped. I was a star among them. And I was... I, I, no, don't clap. And, and you know something? And I was wondering... Why? <laughs> no, I was wondering why. And, you know, like, and, and I'll tell you something. It's like the attribute of patience, even in the area of sexual activities, has been so uh, downplayed that there are people who genuinely don't believe that no one waits. I've had people come in my office and say, look, I know you're a pastor and you guys teach those things, but come on, we all know what happens behind closed doors. Like, what happens behind closed doors? No, obviously, you and your wife, I'm like, no. And, and you know, people can get so funny in, in that point that, um, <laughs> should I say this? They can get so funny that when my, uh, when my daughter was born, they say counting the months. <laughs> I'm not even joking. Not like I'm not joking. I have members who at their workplace they say counting. So okay, so which day was <laughs> so let's start let's start calculating when he was married. And, and and you know what's funny is that before uh, my daughter was born, I had a dream one time that she was born earlier, 
like the next, I said, God, no, please. <laughs> I say, they won't understand if we tell them we're just very fatal. So I said, God, no. <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is, so now, people would ask, so like, when I would explain, I would be given a question, like, why? You knew you were going to marry her. Why didn't you just, I said, I didn't want to disrespect her. Among many other, I can give several reasons, spiritual and all those things. But I felt that she was so important that she didn't deserve to be treated in that manner. Only a person who had married her deserved to know her in that way. Because love is patient. It is. And you can apply this in various aspects. If you love people, do not treat them as inferior. Do not treat them like they are nothing. But you should also not be treated like that. When love wants to satisfy itself at the expense of another person, then it's not love. It's a perversion. Yet again, we'll see one of the saddest stories in the Bible. Second Samuel 13, verse 1. And I really want you to observe the words and the wordings being used here. The Bible says, after this, Absalom, the son of David, had a lovely sister whose name was Tamar. And Amnon, the son of David, loved her. So that means they were step... Uh, st <laughs> Did you just say they were stepsisters? <laughs> um, they didn't have the same mother, right? And... It wasn't much of a taboo in those days, right? Kai people were a few on earth. Kai, you know technically we're all related. Like <laughs> Yeah, we're all related technically. So it wasn't much of a taboo in those days. Um please don't do that now. <laughs> You'll be born with five with eight eight fingers. So <laughs> I'm saying that because, you know, even when, you remember when Abraham talked about Sarah and said, she's my sister. You know that Abraham there wasn't necessarily lying. He was telling a skillful truth. Like he told the part of the truth that suited the situation. <laughs> because they were step siblings. So he told, have you ever met people do that? Like they would tell the version of the truth <laughs> that makes them innocent. But there's just another part of the truth they didn't say. <laughs> I've never done that before. <laughs> I, I'm glad you're honest. Me too. <laughs> and it says, Amnon, the son of David, loved her. That word is used again. Earlier we so strongly attracted. This time we're saying loved. So he loved her. And it says, Amnon was so distressed over his sister that he became sick. He was the first person to be lovesick. 
<laughs> I hope you're hearing me. <laughs> Guys, these things are real. And don't, don't undermine your friend when they're telling you they're even struggling to walk. <laughs> out of love. A tooth even came out of their mouth. <laughs> out of feeling too much love. So, flash the car. The guy became sick with love. Have you ever been sick with love? In any way? <laughs> no, I'm curious. Have you ever been sick with love? Where they find you in bed, they wonder, what's wrong? I'm in love. <laughs> Guys, <laughs> be praying for each other. <laughs> and someone is not eating supper. No, she didn't reply today. <laughs> okay. That he became sick for she was a virgin and it was improper for Amnon to do anything to her. So he knew it was improper. So that means that the love also had a sexual connotation to it. Right? Verse 4. And he said to him, why are you, this is his friend, the king's son, becoming thinner day after day? Would you not tell him, tell me? Amnon said to him, I love Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. It's funny how he wasn't saying his sister. Eh? I need to research that more. Maybe, maybe they didn't even share a father. I need to research it more. So Jonadab said to him, lie down on your bed and pretend to be ill. And when your father comes to see you, say to him, please let my sister Tama come and give me food and prepare the food in my sight that I may see it and eat it from her hand. Can I address an issue here? Don't just think of relationships. Think in every area. How come when a moment of accountability comes up, you want to bring up a sad story which will switch the angle and now present an environment where the other person should feel pity for you instead. Oh, I'm being too philosophical. I can bring it down. I, I can come down. You guys know what I'm talking about. Like where... Um, here you are, there's something you are supposed to do, you didn't do it. And if you are to check the innermost of your heart, you were really supposed to do it. And you could have done it. But then when the issue of accountability comes up, you bring up your friend's aunt's brother's cousin who passed away and how it's really breaking your heart that your friend's aunt's brother's cousin passed away. When you know deep inside that perhaps that's not the case. Even in relationships, you find when it's your moment to be answerable, you know that this guy or this girl, if I'm just to break down and cry, they don't like seeing me cry. So they would apologize even if they are the ones who... And sometimes women have these funny quotes that women never apologize. That's nonsense. That's, that's a perversion of love. I, I, know I'm talking, I know that people who maybe uh, cry a bit easily, it's okay, you can cry, but then after you're done, finish discussing the issue that you were discussing. <laughs> and if you were wrong, you are wrong. And the fact that you cry doesn't mean you're now right or that you deserve an apology. No, no, these are things that need to be talked about sometimes. But then there are times people do it on purpose. I'm telling you, 
People do it on purpose sometimes. Yeah, in the middle of a conversation, you can tell, okay, Appa, I am wrong. Especially when you talk to see who's won and who's lost. Appa, I am wrong. You just, uh, I just keep remembering what my late mother used to tell me. In that moment, really. I'm about to say something a bit more controversial here. Can I go on? And in the same vein, one challenge we're having nowadays, I say this once and oh my God, I got some very bad feedback. Sometimes people give bad feedback because they don't listen to the full thing you want to say. They just hear the first lines. So try and listen to everything I have to say about this. Sometimes um, mental health is used as an excuse for lack of accountability. Let me explain. There was a situation during um, the first lockdown. It was almost a global lockdown because almost every country in the world had a lockdown, right? And there is a footballer. If you want, you can look up the story. There's a footballer called Kyle Walker. He plays for Manchester City. And this footballer went on his Instagram or Facebook or whatever it was, and he released a video encouraging people to follow the rules. Uh, social distancing, don't have visitors over, and all those kind of things. And so, lo and behold, it seemed that very day or another day, he hired some prostitutes to come to his home. And that was illegal. And one of them saw the video and decided, especially in the West, like it's not like prostitutes hide. They're really not ashamed that they're prostitutes. Like the person even like on her profile, no, I, I'm at this college in second year at the same time, also have a part-time job as a prostitute. That, so the person was like, ah, can she even did a video? And she made sure she took a selfie and she posted online. <laughs> she posted and said, this same guy who did this video, I was at his house. And so she posts. And she was very descriptive about her post. And so, of course, the media was now on his case. And he was criticized. So he never issued an apology. And then a few weeks later, oh, and he was married. And a few weeks later, Photos circulated of him driving out to a distance that was not... Again, he broke the rules, so to say. And so he was being criticized. Of course, eyes were on him, right? So he was being criticized, and so he went online and said, don't you guys care about people's mental health? Don't you see that this is affecting me mentally? The challenge is that he was not accepting that by taking up the role of being paid 250,000 pounds a week and becoming a role model, he had a social contract with the people to at least keep his words. And so the people then had a right to be socially disappointed. And the challenges, um, the way uh, certain mental health activists are going about it, 
is that they are robbing society of something that it needs. They are robbing society of the aspect of accountability. The challenge with robbing society of accountability is that it's actually one of the primary needs for a person to even recover from a mental health breakdown. Accountability is actually a need. Where a person can't be kept accountable because any moment of being kept accountable, they will threaten something. Then there's a problem there. Where a parent can't tell a child no, because if the parent is to tell the child no, they will threaten something. Where a person can't be lectured or advised because anything that they advised, they will threaten something. That's not right. <laughs> That's not right. And if it's allowed to grow, we have a society that has no accountability. That's why I noticed the more developed and modern societies are now lacking accountability first between parents and their children. The moment there is no accountability between parents and children, who of the people have accountability to? They are teachers. The moment a parent doesn't have the right to discipline a child, who would discipline them? The police. The moment a child has got no person in this world who they fear that, mm, if this one catches me like this and gets away, sometimes at a stage, maybe that's necessary. If the only people they fear are the police, there'll be a challenge. What I'm trying to say is this. There is a stage or should I say there is a place of maturity and growth where you learn to be accountable for your actions regardless of how you are feeling. It's one of the most important phases. So for here's an example. Here you are. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm just trying to remember that guy's name. <laughs> but Jonathan, here you are. But Kugwila, at Wezoenda na Wakazu then the person that you really love has told you, I can't do this anymore. I'll just kill myself. If you leave me this, 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 this. You're being very selfish. And if that is to happen, the blood is not on her head. And if you manipulate a person into staying with you because they're afraid that you do something to yourself, the relationship will never be healthy. So, <laughs> in this case, the love he was feeling drove him to pretend. And in the pretense, he pretended to be in a place where he would get some sympathy from the person. And that's why don't get addicted to sympathy. Don't get addicted to it. And so he says, please let my sister Tama can give me food. On a normal day, she wouldn't have come, but because he was pretending to be ill, she was able to come. And prepare the food in my sight that I may see it and eat it from my hand. Express. You know what's interesting is, do you want to know how I ended up preaching this sermon? Um, I had a dream today. And in my dream, I was going for Christmas service. And I was, I was late, which is unlike me. And then I kept delaying. And every time I wanted to come up, either my mic is out or something just kept coming up which was delaying me from going to minister. 
And the moment I woke up, I was told you're two hours behind. So I was wondering what it was. So as I was praying, the Lord told me there was that sermon you were supposed to preach, but you didn't. So I was <laughs> if I entered Christmas service into it, you guys would have all been thinking I had a successful year. And then God would have been saying, no, you missed it because it was that sermon you were supposed to preach. So this was it. <laughs> and, and over the weekend, it was one of my prayer requests. Uh, one of the things I enjoyed over the weekend was we did a certain boat cruise. Now it was long. So we talked for like a few minutes. And then um, one of the things my wife allows me to do sometimes is just to zone out. So I zoned out and I was just in prayer. And in my prayer, I was saying, God, I would like you to give me, like, uh, in, I was saying, judge me. Like, what have I done well this year? What have I done well? Is there anything I've not done that you wanted me to do? Is there anything I've not done well? Speak to me. And I don't know about you, but I don't mind, or should I say, I love it when the Lord corrects me, or when he guides me, when he shows me what I haven't seen. What about you? Do you like that? It's a nice prayer to pray. So go before him. Say, God, judge me. How have I been this year? He will answer in one way or another. Last year, he gave me a percentage in a dream. He's like, this is how you've done this year. <laughs> yeah. I wonder what this year is. You want to know the percentage for last year? I'll keep it to myself. <laughs> I was given 85 last year. So let's continue. I need a 90. So. <laughs> and what's funny is that that year was like my toughest year to do ministry. And yet, according to him, I'd done really well. <laughs> yeah. It was one of those years where nothing was just coming easy. You know what I mean? Like, even just praying wasn't coming easy. You know, there, there are those where you're praying, you're flowing, you just notice time has gone. Then, you know, those where you're, you're praying, and then just to get to 30 minutes, <laughs> you've moved mountains <laughs> and you've caused walls to fall. <laughs> yeah. Let's continue. Give me the next verse. I'm so glad I'm your pastor. Eh? I'm feeling good for you hearing such sermons. And David sent home to Thomas saying, now go to your brother Amnon's house and prepare food for him. Uh-huh. So Thomas went to her brother Amnon's house and he was lying down. Then she took flour and kneaded it, made cakes in his sight and baked the cakes. Verse 9. And she took the pan and placed them out before him, but he refused to eat. Then Amnon said, have everyone go out from me. And they all went out from him. Then Amnon said to Tamar, bring the food into the bedroom that I may eat from your hand. And Tamar took the cakes which she had made and brought them to Amnon, her brother, in the bedroom. Now when she had brought them to him to eat, he took hold of her and said to her, come, lie with me, my sister. But she answered him, no, my brother, do not force me, for no such thing should be done in Israel. Do not do this disgraceful thing. And I, where could I take my shame? 
And as for you, you would be like one of the fools in Israel. So there are certain things that people do that in the spiritual realm, they're being categorized as one of the fools. So you'd be like one of the fools in Israel. Now, therefore, please speak to the king, for he will not withhold me from you. In short, she's saying, okay, fine, you want me, can you do it the right way? Because if you don't do it the right way, you're like one of the fools. Let's go on. However, he would not heed her voice, and being stronger than she, he forced her and lay with her. To love someone so much that you rape them, is that love? It means it had gotten perverted. And before the rape, he was willing to bring shame on her. To love someone so much that you don't mind them destroying their principles for your sake. To love him so much that you don't mind him being in a lot of debt for your sake. Is that really love? By the way, true love can also advise that, look, I know your income is ABCD now. Some of these presents you keep getting me a bit expensive. Is it possible if for now you can be saving because ABCD and ABCD for a rainy day so that when you come to a certain place, we'll be able to get ABCD properly? Or will it be, my friend, they cut them here for 15 pin, and then this one, this is, this, this, this. Is that really love? No, it's now being selfish. It's now about what can I gain? Meaning, I don't care whether you're in debt with your landlord as long as I gain. Yeah. Then look at what happens next. Then Amnon hated her exceedingly. Why did he hate her? Because at this point, she's no longer the pure virgin that he had saw. Now she's violated and defiled because she slept with her brother. But not only is she defiled, he's the one who defiled her, and yet he hated what he created. You find someone makes someone into something and then they hate what they've made. He hated her exceedingly, so that the hatred with which he hated her was greater than the love which he had loved her. And Amnon said to her, Arise, be gone. You'd be amazed, ladies and gentlemen, some of the matters sometimes that I've had to deal with, especially when you're dealing with matters of, let's say, pregnancies, right? And then I don't know if you've ever heard of a meeting called damage. Those are very tense meetings. People don't smile. <laughs> That's why you call the Yama to come and talk. And here is the interesting thing. Do you know why? And I'm, it's church here. I'm permitted to talk freely, right? Yes, I am. Do you know why? Doesn't it bother you that? the term baby mamas is becoming very popular. It's becoming very popular. 
and for me, there are certain things that make me very sad. The fact that sometimes one of the worst days to be on Facebook is on Father's Day. You know why? On Father's Day, I'll find a lot of posts from women, especially single mothers. I'm not talking about those who are single by virtue of widowhood, but you'll find a lot of posts from those who society has categorized as baby mamas. And the post will be, Happy Father's Day to me. And it sounds nice, but for me, when I, when I see it, it sounds painful. Because ideally, that was probably never their intention. I've met a lot of people who society has categorized like that. And 80 to 90% of the conversations, if not 100, whether they got pregnant at what they thought was the right time or not, um, majority of them didn't want to live the rest of their life as a single mother. Many of them would have actually, majority of them wouldn't have said no if the man had actually committed to marrying them and raising the child with them. And interesting, society is especially negative on women because, um, and even the church sometimes, even the church. If you have two people in church who let's say have been disciplined because somebody fell pregnant before the right time, chances are more likely the man will be accepted first by everyone else than the woman. Now, what I'm trying to say is majority, if you have to sit down and actually talk to them, don't like the fact that they found themselves in a position where they were raising a child outside marriage and raising the child alone. The question is, how did they find themselves into the, in that position? Many other times where what has happened now is whereas sex was supposed to be a consummation of people making the ultimate commitment. It's become something that can be done outside a desire to commit for a long time. Meaning, here's a man and he's saying, I'm willing to commit to you for the next 10 minutes. For the next 10 minutes, you're the most special woman in the world. And afterwards, the same person can ridicule you and say, ah, didn't even want her. Me, marrying that one. Why would I want to marry her? So you're not seeing a wife in someone, but seeing a sex partner in them. And there's a challenge with society in that regard. And it applies both ways. And that's what's producing deep, deep challenges. And the challenge again here is Amnon loved her until he got what he wanted and then he hated her. And sadly, it's something I have seen. Ladies and gentlemen, can I just mention something? Let me check the time. 
Can I mention something? Can I mention something in the area of love? If I end 10 minutes later than I usually do, are, are you okay with that? I don't want to go back to the dream and I'm don't. You're not allowed to sing Christmas carols this Sunday. Can I mention something? We need to pray for higher levels of discernment. Because some people are very deceitful. I'm non planned. The lady had no idea. The guy is busy scheming and planning. Then I'll do this. Then I'll do this. Then I'll do this. You find someone comes and says, I don't know what happened. It just happened not knowing people planned. How come when you went to visit, there were seven people the moment you went to the bathroom and came out, everyone had left. You think it wasn't planned. People, people think people don't plan. People planned. People planned. The guy told you that it had, he told you that uh, he had never slept with anyone before and it wasn't planned. How was he doing with a condom? Where did he get it from? It just appeared from nowhere. And it applies on both sides. <laughs> Guys, if love means I have to violate someone's principles and make them look a certain way before society and before everyone else, then you're not being fair. Your satisfaction should not disadvantage another person. The third perversion is when love is gullible or it's manipulative either love that is gullible or is manipulative there's a challenge here's someone who used to love their children and when they married again how have they been caused to not love their children anymore how is it love judges 16 verse 15 do you remember a certain woman called Delilah? She was told to trick Samson, right, into knowing his secret. And here's what it's. Then she said to him, how can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me these three times and have not told me where your great strength lies. And that's why, that's why when love is perverted, it can be very gullible. Samson, you can't see that the first time you told her that they should tie you up, people tied you up. You're, you're not seeing the signs, they're right there. The second time you told her, they did the same thing. And, you, and she can come again and say, you don't love me because I tried to trick you and it didn't work. I don't know if you're hearing me. And sometimes it happens, even in families. Even in families, you don't love us as a family because we've brought this witch doctor who's told us to all step in this and we expect you to violate your biblical principles for our sake, to love us, to show that you can protect us. You don't love us as a family. That's not love. Now that's being manipulative. You've got the right to choose where your legs enter and where they don't. And then take you to court. As a family and say, we're taking our child to court because we brought a witch doctor. And you also bring up the witchcraft act. It's also illegal. You know there's a witchcraft act in Zambia. So. Notice he says, how can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You've mocked me these three times and have not told me where your great strength lies. Next verse. 
And it came to pass when she pestered him daily with her words and pressed him so that his soul was vexed to death. He reached a place where it was better to die than to keep hearing what and keep hearing Delilah saying, you claim you love me, you claim you love me, you claim you love me, you claim you love me. And I'll tell you this, in, <laughs> now, let me just tell you something. <laughs> Have you ever seen what the scriptures say about a nagging wife? It says it's better to live on the rooftop or it's better to move to the desert. But my dad, I just add to the men sometimes that you have, sometimes you're the one who can cause that. You can cause someone to become insecure by the things that you do. As in, by accident, they were not even trying to check. They found a message in your phone which was suggestive. No matter how many seminars you attend on how you shouldn't check your husband's phone. And, they, and you know what's funny? Then you become the one who even sending them videos about why you shouldn't check your husband's phone. But you've caused them to be insecure. You have to allow them to be disappointed. And the relationship would have to heal. And you have to play your part in them healing. Like you can't expect them to heal in one second and vice versa. But nevertheless, when love comes to a place of pestering, that the man was vexed to death, it was better to die. Look at what happened next. Uh -huh. And he told her all his heart and said, to her, No razor has ever come upon my head, for I've been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If I am shaven, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. Uh -huh. And then, at this point, he even got like the CD player. He pressed play, and then the song started. If I told you my weakness, <laughs> would you keep it a secret? <laughs> Delilah, weakness. <laughs> when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, he, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, come once more, for he has told me all his heart. And we know what happened next. Ladies and gentlemen, in every era of life, don't be, even with friends and the like, don't tell everyone everything. Be prayerful, even about friendships. You might tell someone something and it's all over. And guys, if somebody is to tell you all their heart, don't Delilah them. Don't expose them for being open with you. It's not worth it. Let's say there's somebody, I'll use now the dating example. Let's say there's somebody you used to be in a relationship with and it didn't work. You don't have to go start saying everything about them now. Somebody hearing me. You see why discernment is very necessary. Eh? One time I had a dream about one of my daughters actually. In my dream there was a spirit of deception and I knew immediately that there was someone she was going to start dating who was lying. And I sent her a message and for sure it was discovered the person was lying. So, but before it becomes your neighbor's sermon, you check yourself as well. 
do you, how do you pay back those who trust you? Firstly, are you gullible? Or are you manipulative? Someone has asked a question, but how do you know they are telling the truth or meaning every word from their mouth, pastor? I'll say one thing. Apart from the fact that this sermon has come to open up your eyes and has come to give you grace. Because when God gives you an instruction, the grace is in the instruction, right? So there's a place for discernment. Here's the second thing that I would advise you to do, apart from discernment. Um, learn to advise yourself as if it wasn't you. Because many times when I've spoken to someone, and you have to ask them, and they properly analyze, you find there are signs that were there, and even their friends were. And when your friends are afraid to tell you, either you've got bad friends or you're difficult. Oh, yeah, difficult. One of the two. You find the signs were there, but then they made an excuse for them. If you constantly have to keep making excuses for people, for somebody, then they could be a challenge. Now, I'm not in any way suggesting that every person you encounter or who is supposed to be part of your life will be perfect. I mean, Peter denied Jesus, but was still meant to be part of his life. And that's where discernment comes in, so that you don't, you don't treat Peter the way you treat Judas. Okay. I've got a lot to say, but for today, I would ask us to read 1 Corinthians 13 in our own time. But let's just read it out together at the same time, from verse 4 to verse 8. 1, 2, 3, read. Love suffers long and is kind. Hold on. So there's an element of love that involves some suffering. <laughs> the Lord Jesus suffered for his bride. But let's continue. <laughs> All those now sound like, uh, Father, to what extent, right? And what, which suffering is that? Okay, let's read it for now. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. So wait, hold on. So it's actually, so in the, in the context of love, it means that it's actually okay to celebrate your neighbor who's just bought their third new car this month, even when you're still killing ants, right? Love doesn't, you know how love, when love is perverted, it's, ha, my neighbor has those three cars. When I can drive better, and I got my license before him. <laughs> and perverted love will be, it will be, it will be going like, all of the stuff you have belongs to me, for I deserve it. <laughs> that's not love, that's envy. And sometimes when people are in that, when you're in the place of envy, you know that when people are in a place of envy, they can even sabotage something because they don't have it. <laughs> 
someone gets a job offer, they discourage them from the job, not really because they even find logical, wise reasons to discourage them, but they just want to remain together and employed. Okay, so love does not envy. Love does not parade itself and is not puffed up. Love does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, and thinks no evil. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. (laughs) But where there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. So even if that relationship came through 15 visions, if you don't learn to practice love properly, even those visions will fail. Where there is knowledge, I mean, soul was chosen by God. Where there is knowledge, it will vanish away. Can we continue? Verse 9. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. Uh-huh. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. So a lack of love or a lack of maturing in love is childish. Not walking the way of love is childish. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall also, but then I shall know just as I also am known. Let's continue. And now abide faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Do you mind if I just show you one thing quickly? You don't. Uh First Corinthians 12, verse 1, is saying now about spiritual gifts or about spirituals. I do not want you to be ignorant. So 1 Corinthians 12 was talking about the spiritual gifts. Go to the very last verse of 1 Corinthians 12. The very last verse. It will last like it's far. Okay. It says, but earnestly desire the best gifts. And yet I show you a more excellent way. Meaning there's a more excellent way than even having the biggest spiritual gifts. Then the more excellent way is now shown in 1 Corinthians 13, which says, verse 1, Though I speak in tongues of men and of angels. So someone has come to me, no, pastor, how come that person has got a bad character but they speak in tongues? Because though I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I've become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And that's the last thing you want as a believer, where when they admire you from the pulpit or from a distance or from the cell, and when they interact with you in your personal life, there's a huge difference. In as much as we are all still growing, the challenge with the difference being huge is that everything you do will just become noise to them. Your gift will become noise to them. Because of the way you are walking. The next verse. And it says, And though I have the gift of prophecy, understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. Next verse. 
Look at this. And I'll end on this one. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, meaning it's actually possible to even be given to the needy and yet you don't love them. You love yourself. So you love how you feel when you do it. Because you feel good about yourself. Like, ah, anyways, at least there are good people like me in this world. That woman wouldn't have eaten today. If I didn't, are you saying that those shoes that person is wearing? I'm telling you that person used to wear bad shoes. And then I just looked and said, ah, you know. Is that really love? Or it's you that you love? And he says, though I bestow all my goods and feed them to the poor. And look at this. And though I give my body to be burned. So it's very possible to be doing sacrifices for people. And yet you're not really doing it out of love. Are you really sure you're in all those kitchen party committees out of love? Or it will look a certain way. <laughs> Let's be honest. Some of them are in the category of it might look a certain way. Everyone that you post congratulations, do you really post them out of love? Or it will look a certain way if you are the one who didn't congratulate. It will look like you're jealous, which you really are, but you don't want to show that you're jealous, so you, you say the most. <laughs> so you give the longest speech so that it didn't look like it is. Otherwise, everyone might suspect that you are, but deep inside you really are. Are you ready for next year? <laughs> next year we are doing life. And are you okay if we have more topics like this? Are you sure? Sometimes they hurt. But I heard something one time. You know what I heard? You can't call a surgeon evil if they have to cut up part of your flesh to remove a cancer. In that moment, it becomes ethical for them to cut you up. Lift your hands and tell God you love him. <laughs> Just for a minute. <laughs> Ask him to perfect love in you. The Bible says, love does not disappoint, for God has shed abroad his love in our hearts by the Spirit. Thank him for the sermon. Thank him for the areas you've been rebuked. Thank him for the areas you've been encouraged. Thank him for the areas you've been exhorted. Ask him to help you in areas where you've been weak. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that we who are born of love, may we walk in perfect love. Lord, teach us the way of love. Teach us to understand it beyond an emotion. Now, Lord, I pray for people who are in situations that have been caused by any perversion of love. I pray in the name of Jesus that may you help them in Jesus' name. Amen. Allow me to emphasize, ladies and gentlemen, that there is a difference between the perversion of love and love which has not yet been perfected. And perhaps in the coming times we'll talk about how you can tell when it's just not been perfected, and perhaps the difference between that and when it's perverted, and how you can mature it as it's been perfected. Yeah.
Let's give our offerings. This Sunday is Partnership Sunday. Are you aware? It's not just Christmas service. So bring gifts for the Lord Jesus. <laughs> I've always wanted to say that. <laughs> so this Sunday we're all, um, this Sunday we're giving our best. I am hoping, I'm hoping that Lusaka alone, uh, I'm, I've forgotten how much we raised the last time. I think 80 somewhere there, 80 something. I'm hoping we can end the year having hit a hundred. What do you think? Anyway, <laughs> why aren't you encouraging me? I'm hoping we can hit a hundred this year. What do you guys think? Yeah. And I'll let you know on Sunday why we want to hit that amount. There's something we want to do before the end of the year. So for those who don't know what Partnership Sunday is, it's a Sunday where we give more than we give on other Sundays. And it comes once every three months. So it's not a, a, a miracle. Stephanie Mapalochiwila has commented, this Sunday is also my birthday. Okay. You share the same birthday as... Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> the Lord Jesus, I may not be very theologically accurate. Okay. Um, so, oh, congratulations. Happy birthday. So what song do you... So, there are people who become difficult when they marry. You don't just give them Christmas gift. So is it possible to give all the gifts in one? It's, it's a, this, as we're giving, it's a, it's a question. The ladies, if you got married and you got married on your birthday, which also happens to be Christmas Day, <laughs> and then your husband came with one gift, symbolic of all three, <laughs> One gift symbolic of all three. Would, would you want three separate gifts? Three separate ones. Okay, here's another one. What if your birthday is on the 24th? Okay, let's say your birthday is on the 13th. And the 14th is Valentine's. And then the 15th is your anniversary. <laughs> Does he have to remember all three days? But what did you? What, what are you going to be getting him on International Men's Day? Do you even know International Men's Day? Huh? What present did you get him for the World Cup final? Yes, those are very important dates to us. The World Cup final is a very important date. Very, very important. I remember my wife and I were supposed to go somewhere. I said, ah, okay, I yeah, will go. Uh, no, I'm, I'm very willing, we'll go. Um, let me just check what time the World Cup final is. And she said, oh, <laughs> um, I think I should go alone. I said, if you insist. <laughs> it's a very important day. UEFA Champions League final. Very, those are dates to mark in your calendar. You have to be getting them a gift on that day. No, you are shouting a lot at the light. No, when, since next year we're doing life, one of the, one of the, one of the things I'll teach, one of our, but this one needs like a bride, I'll teach uh, how best to come, like I'll, I'll do a tutorial for those who are not football fans, like the women who are not football fans, how to watch a game with <laughs> your significant other, what questions to ask, what questions not to ask. 
not his manu. <laughs> he's watching manu versus man city. You're busy celebrating the other team's scoring. But I'm like, why is it's a nice goal? Anyway, what to do when the team loses, when to talk, when not to talk, at which point to ask questions. All those are very important tips in life. And I can train you. For a fee. Okay, let's. <laughs> okay. Now I pray for you in the name of Jesus. Be blessed. And the rest of your week is blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's say the grace together. The amazing grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives, and we will dwell in the house of the Lord. Oh, wow. What a service. I have been so blessed, and I know you have been too. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. You can reach the City of the Lord Church on 0777-930882. If you are unable to call, you can email us on thecityofthelordzambia at gmail.com or reach us on Facebook at the City of the Lord Church. Stay blessed.